0: Hello, everyone, and a special welcome to Doug Ricketts. We are very excited to have you, Doug. Um, You're a great addition to our Revenue Maverick program. I'm Matt Durazzani. I'm your host, and I am a Revenue Maverick advisor. Uh, For the audience today, uh, we have the privilege to, to listen to Doug. I would love to introduce him to you for just a moment. He is the Senior Global Operations Consultant to Executives, Uh, Doug's career in particular is filled with an array of senior leadership positions in in global operations, and he has um, established and lived through several times that close partnership between a chief revenue officer and understands how important that CRO and operators partnership is crucial to the success of a business, especially when it's heavily driven around revenue goals. Um, he sort of uh, defines himself as an accidental revenue operation person. Uh, he enjoys collaboration and enjoys being with people, And but uh, he kind of sell, sort of fell into the revenue operation space during his careers, and uh, has had the opportunity to kind of develop those processes that boost up the productivity of the people that are supposed to be on the front line and also behind the scene. So, Doug, we, we are very, very intrigued to have you on the program today. And we would love to hear from you for just a moment, kind of introduce yourself, if there's anything else that kind of stand out about your background, and then kind of turn the time over to you to kind of present to us
1: the themes that you would like to share with the audience today. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I think your introduction was great. Um, yeah, I've, I've been, I, I, I would divide my career into two pieces. Uh, the first piece was as I entered the business, I was in sales and product marketing and product management. Um, and I thought that would be where I would stay. Uh, but I was introduced by uh, a senior executive at one point to an operations role that at first I refused. <laughs> but over time, look, took it. And it actually became the basis for the for the second half of my career. I absolutely have enjoyed you know, working to working to to collaborate with people, first of all, uh, but with people to define and improve processes and where processes get good, uh, add technology to it. I've truly enjoyed that. Uh, i watch I enjoy watching people succeed uh, in part uh, because we've built a better process for them.
0: I think it's very interesting that you start out with that statement. I think there's a lot of operators on this line today that uh, are probably going to relate to the fact that at a certain point in their career, they developed some skills and, and expertise, and then someone uh, saw in them the opportunity for them to be the catalyst to, to actually take over um, an operational portion of the business. And so uh, maybe later on in the call, let's come back to this one. We'd we'll love to hear some of the advice that you have uh, to those people early in their careers to, to discuss this. But um,
1: let's go ahead and turn into your content today. Great. Well, the question that I was asked to address is, can you develop confidence in your pipeline? And I guess the short answer is, yes, you can, Uh, but I'm here to say that it's a brick by brick collaboration. Uh, It's a collaboration that tests your skills to find the best in your sales managers, your leaders, and your salespeople uh, to define the measurable activities uh, that are both insightful for the customer uh, and and complement with the way they want to buy. And so uh, I, I'd put it into three or four major components. Uh, 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 one is creating a constant or a consistent set of sales stages uh, that each that that your business can manage towards a consistent set of activities within each sales stage that are accretive and insightful uh, for both the salespeople as well as for the customer. Uh, a few things uh, we, that I call sales, sales stage exit criteria that are consistent uh, so that as opportunities progress through a sales process uh, uh, can be relied upon and then finally, uh, a sales management review cadence uh, that pays attention to these things um, and uh, and rounds out the exceptions because there's definitely going to be exceptions. The primary point to this, though, is you can develop confidence in your pipeline by making yourself consistent. You can't control what the customer will do. The customer will react and perceive as they will, and there's as many different customers as uh, each customer will be different. But what you can do to create confidence in your pipeline is to become consistent on how you approach the customer. Hopefully it's consistent, but also uh, it's a creative, it's insightful, uh, uh, and it follows again the way the customer wants to buy. This doesn't come just from you as a sales operations leader. Uh, It's the best of your organization. Uh, it's the best of best practices, uh, and that's why I say it's a brick by brick collaboration that never stops. Uh, uh, it's important only if your organization uh, uh, is a part of the creation of it, uh, and 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 actually sees value in in performing it. One of the really pieces of good news is that. Uh, Many of the technology barriers uh, and actually it wasn't technology in the past. It was just simply time and effort barriers uh, have been removed. Uh, Technology has removed a lot of the drag that could have been associated with measuring and monitoring some of these things. Uh, And uh, and these things are possible. So this is a great time to be in revenue operations. Uh, At this point, it's about. It's about collaborating with your teams and finding the, the steps, the stages, the activities, the exits, and the, and the sales management cadences uh, that make most, ses- most sense for your business and for your company. I think there's two things that kind of stand out to me
0: that I think uh, early operators uh, may, may struggle with sometimes and is this concept of creating that consistency. Uh, you know, I think um, a lot of people may have heard the, the saying there's a lot of strategies out there, but of them work unless you do, right. And so I think it's there's there's a lot of truth in what you're saying that as you create the right process, uh, the right consistent the exit criteria, the stages, right. Um, you know, the more you do consistently, that's where you get the confidence because now everybody's starting to sound like one one band, one sound, right. Uh, so a question to you in this one is um, some of the operators on the line might wonder, what is the best way to to really start developing and maybe practices on how to enforce that early consistency is when people are learning a new process or maybe uh, a new way of doing things that is more consistent
1: in my case I, i suppose there's many it's like any it's like any buyer that's buying something when do you know that you need or want to work on something like this uh, it might be an event. I mean, it could be that, you know, a sales a sales organization has missed their forecast two or three quarters in a row, or it could be that revenue is just simply not growing fast enough. Um, but uh, but those, those are the kinds of, you know, base level indicators that might cause the desire to spend time on this. Uh, in our case, uh, uh, I was involved in a uh, private equity purchase and, and the private equity company uh, wanted to understand the process. They wanted to see a little bit more uh, consistency in the process because we were delivering inconsistent results. Uh, what's the first step? In our case, uh, we defined a, uh, a tiger team uh, that was composed of the, some of the most uh, successful senior managers and some of the m- most successful senior sales reps. Uh, and we and we stuck together through uh, probably a three or four month process to kick this off uh, those same people helped us roll it out they those same people helped us tune it over time that's a great example thanks for sharing that I appreciate it
0: okay let's let's go ahead and uh, start diving a little bit deeper here
1: the three basic uh, kps I'm going to talk about in three slides here is one is how do you Allow an opportunity to enter the pipeline. What kind of criteria is for that? Um, uh, I say enter the pipeline, enter the active pipeline. Uh, the second one is how do you feel really feel comfortable that it's well qualified? And the third is uh, as it moves along the sales stage process, uh, how can you pay attention and try to understand if it's stalled for some reason uh, and add additional resource to unstall it uh, or to hopefully make it make it uh, proceed. Those are the three I'm going to talk about. First one, it's sort of the first step. Right, Success starts with a successful uh, first stage and a first step. Uh, We focused quite a bit on the idea of identifying a champion. Now, the champion may or may not be the person that called you uh, originally. It may or may not be the person that was at first assigned to you to to introduce you. uh, this is a person that, that truly uh, understands the business, understands the problems, uh, can help articulate uh, the reasons they want to change. Change is hard. Uh, so the first point is uh, truly identifying a champion uh, and proceeding only when you have a well-qualified champion. Um, uh, again, somebody that uh, understands the costs and the neg- as- negative aspects of the current solution, someone that is able to effect, effectively contribute uh, to creating the requirements statements, uh, and sh- someone that's, that will share to you the full buying team later in the process, which uh, which is not going to be too much later, but later in the process. One of the ways to test this, uh, do I truly have a champion, is is what we call the WISE document. Uh, first of all, why do we have, why did we have a WISE document? Well, we found that most deals that we were involved with, uh, sixty approximately 60% of them, uh, they weren't lost to competition. They were lost to inaction. So the primary first thing that, that we did is that we identified somebody that we could call the champion. We qualified them as a champion and we created a document, pretty simple document uh, in structure, but Pretty, but 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 significant in its impact. Which is why change? Why would the company want to change right now? Is it a revenue reason? Is it a cost reason? Is it a risk reason? Why would they change right now? Why would they Why would they buy from me? In other words, my company is it? My product is better. Is it? You know, our solution's better. Is it? Is there something else? And why would they make a change now? And so, in short, we allowed opportunities to enter the pipeline only as we were comfortable that we had a, a qualified champion and, and we we're able to put together a pretty clear WISE document. So I, I like what you're saying about
0: the WISE document. Uh, one question that comes to my mind as I'm thinking as an operator is where would you have this document? Is that within the CRM? Is it just in some type of Google Drive type of document? And uh,
1: how how can that be tied to the pipeline? For each sales stage, uh, we actually built uh, forms and 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 deliverables that could be easily accessed in the CRM, uh, referenced in the CRM, uh, used in the CRM uh, by the sales manager by the salespeople. Uh, these were all tools that uh, that we built into the system. Again, that's going back okay. to one of my points up front. Many of these things were very difficult least uh, three or four years ago, uh, both to execute as well as to uh, uh, actually accomplish. Um, but technology has really come along. It's, pretty, it's relatively easy. I find, at least I've, we have found that it was relatively easy to, uh, to build a step-by-step process people could easily see, use, criticize, uh, improve uh, over time. And we put it all in the CRM so that it was where they did business every day.
0: I think it's very wise to make sure that that's included within the extra CRM, right, where the deal lives. Um, One of the thoughts that comes to my mind, and we'll love your opinion on this one, is um, um, a lot of operators, a lot of CROs, uh, they kind of often see a a pattern that usually the top reps, the most effective reps are the... um, Maybe the worst uh, in keeping hygiene and filling out information, and maybe reps that are junior or not as experienced, they'll be great note takers and they'll have a great hygiene in their pipeline, but they will struggle in progressing the deals. Right? Um, what have you found in your career to to find the right balance of not asking too much, but at the same time allowing across the board to get this type of insight?
1: Yeah, th- there's two or three levels to that. Um, I mean, there's no question that that uh, that the that the most experienced reps sometimes could be the most resist, resistant. But that goes back, I think, to you know what are what do you request of your sales teams? What are the activities within each sales team sales stage, and do they and do they have value? Um, uh, we found that the wise document was really important. Um, uh, and it actually helped sales managers um, qualify their deals as they put together their forecast. And so it was something that was pulled; it wasn't pushed. It was pulled. Um, that was one point. Second point is kind of what I'm showing here in the uh, in the graphic, which is, which is, uh, you you can't expect 100 percent compliance because there are going to be those over experienced reps. Sometimes they won't do some of these things. Uh, and so we had ranges for what percent of co- compliance did we expect at certain stages? So that's kind of the second question. We don't expect hundred uh, uh, percent. As a matter of fact, this, this some of this stuff is particularly useful for training and for the new reps. Uh, 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 and then the third step is we could also develop parameters for sales managers. Uh, should this deal follow the sales process exactly or not? Uh, in, in which case, the rules that we talk about would apply or not apply. So, you know, sa- sales is not completely black and white. It's not completely cookie cutter. You know, you, you, right. you, you can't expect 100% compliance. On the other hand, to the extent people aren't following a, a process that's helpful, uh, you, you need to uh, uh, Discount their deals to some extent because uh, history would say that they just won't be as successful. So all the Absolutely. all the all the above are at play. It's you, this is where that brick by brick collaboration point comes in. These things are helpful if they're truly or they they, they improve the deals if they truly are accretive, are, are closely related to the way the customer wants to buy, uh, and actually proceeds the deal, and uh, and the true operator pays very close attention to how these ideas are, or the ideas that you create are adopted and modifies them over time.
0: That's right. Uh, I think it also ties to what you were saying earlier um, with regards to the exit criteria. Um, when I look at this chart, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, it probably you have more expectations of filling out those wise documents the further you progress the deals, right? This is, you know, you may not know a lot of information early on, But as you progress it, you are required to really check all the boxes so that when we go into forecasting, we have a pretty vetted out uh, deal to know whether or not it has the right availability to close.
1: Yep. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. So this was about the entry into the pipeline, Uh, but we actually found that there was a need for a two-stage qualification process. The first was the creation of the WISE document with us, with the champion, with a single person. The second was the identification by the champion uh, of the full buying team. Uh, all of my, all the companies I've been involved with are, were enterprise software companies, and uh, and we came to the realization that you could not be single threaded dealing with a single person uh, and have any consistency in pro- progressing a deal or closing a deal and so we we came to the conclusion that it was really important to to meet those to meet the rest of the buying team uh, a, a buying team is identified uh, and be to meet the people at least in an introductory session and begin to review those uh, why's uh, with them up front and capturing their input. So the second activity that was a part of our process was identify the rest of the buying team. And this is another good example where technology has made this quite a bit easier. It's not like a sales rep has to go back and enter in a bunch of information into the CRM. Uh, we had systems that would capture uh, email information that went back and forth between uh, the company and uh, uh, and our prospect. Uh, and it would automatically create contacts for them in the CRM. So this wasn't about you know, having to type a bunch of information, is it? but it was about associating um, the perceived personas of this particular application or solution uh, uh, with the names. And so we, we asked sales reps to associate uh, the buying personas of this particular solution uh, uh, or use case uh, in the CRM. Uh, but th- that was the CRM component. But the, but, the, but the sales component was meet with each one of the buying team members uh, and, and and do a cursory review of that wise document. And we just found that when this happened early in the process, um, that uh, sales processes were much smoother from there.
0: I, I think you're just touching upon probably one of the biggest uh, core nerves, if you want to call it that way of um doing deals the right way. Um, yes, you're absolutely right about the multi-threading. I like what you said about meet the, the keyword word is the action of you got to meet them it's it's one thing identifying in an org chart or in LinkedIn or zoom in for some other places or even asking who who needs to be dog man needs to be part of this but the fact that you put in the the stress of so you got to meet them right that's key And then once you meet them you don't just say hey hi, nice to meet you and it's over you talked about the importance of, you gotta capture their input too. So you're gonna re- constantly rediscover, you you go more into discovery mode with anybody else that is part of the process, so you can deepen whether there's a why, whether the potential risks, right? And then I like that you ended by saying, and this needs to happen early. If you do it early and you get into this habit, the deal will be smoother.
1: Yeah, in, 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 the, in one of the situations where I was involved, uh, we actually had two stages. There was sort of the entry stage, which is the last slide, and then we had truly the qualification stage. So this, these were two separate qualification stages, and we just found that if if that uh, that the deals really weren't qualified until you at least you know had an introductory meeting with each one of the buying team members. Uh, again, a lot of assumptions in saying that you know you got to identify them, you got to you know, find some way to meet with them. Uh, you know and then have a conversation about the first draft of the wise document. Uh, but if that was done up front, we just found that there was a lot more success. How did that uh, process, this expectation to have
0: uh, an introduction meeting with each one of those buying people, uh, impact the velocity of the deal? Did it slow down significantly? What, what did you notice?
1: Well, there was just more, there was a better understanding, the deal was right sized. Uh, uh, I mean, the to the extent that the wise document is impactful and meaningful, uh, and the company is motivated to change, um, then the deal moves fast. If if we if the wise document was not so strong, I mean that in the end was an indicator the company was not going to move quite so fast. They're not quite so galvanized uh, uh, and motivated to move fast. But by meeting the buying team members early, you could gauge that a lot more accurately. Okay, so maybe it's fair to say that
0: in some situations, yeah, I may have slowing it down, but to your point, uh, it, it was properly sized in the end as a deal. But in other situations, it could actually accelerate because now more people are bought into it and, and there's more a propensity or a sense of urgency to to take action. Exactly. Okay, awesome, thank
1: you. Great, okay, then a third KPI or measure uh, was one I would say, a positive way to say it was, we really want a vibrant pipeline. We want a pipeline that proceeds quickly. Uh, of course, that's the target. Uh, but having said that, what we also found is that sometimes uh, uh, opportunities would reach that qualification, those two qualification stages we talked about, but they would stall. Uh, uh, nobody could figure out why. And they were hard to find, uh, and so sales managers came to to actually came to me and said, "How can we develop a measure that identifies these? Uh, uh, because if if we can identify them, uh, we can begin to take action." So the objective was to always have a vibrant pipeline. Uh, the metric we affectionately called stuck deals, <laughs> and the idea was. Yeah. How can we let's? How can we systematize and find and locate th- this relatively small portion of opportunities that proceeded through the qualification stages, but for whatever reason, stopped. Uh, and, and, and I mean, we and we were finding, you know, uh, that the oppor- you know opportunities could be listed on the last day of the month or the last day of the quarter, and you know, guess what? A week before the last day of the month of the quarter, they'd move to the next quarter. And, and, and so that was the problem situation that we were in. So we we, we uh, developed a relatively simple criteria that we could systematize and create reports and, 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 uh, and alerts around um, and to a- allow sales managers to notice, uh, uh, to spend their time. It's pretty straightforward. If the opportunity had not changed, the opportunity stage had not changed for 60 days, and if there were no activities uh, entered on the opportunity, uh, in 30 days, it was a candidate to be classified as stuck deals, as a stuck deal. <clears throat> uh, that was a to-do list for a sales manager. I mean, it could be the deal's perfect. It could be that for some reason, uh, it's just this. Just is true, but we, but, but, it, but the, but the numbers and the the way we calibrated it was such that it wasn't. Huge number. It was a. It was a size. A size. It was a number. And it was a quantity of opportunities that was of the size sales managers could follow up. And and they found that this was a great indicator uh, and a subject of their uh, one-on-ones to review. The numbers could change awesome. uh, based, based upon, you know, an individual sales process, the kind of product you're selling, all these things of course could change. These were just some numbers that made sense in our case. Uh, but but the criteria is, you know, what's the right number of these kinds of deals? You can't overload sales managers. You're really trying to find the exceptions. Uh, uh, and, and the sales managers are, are truly there helping where, where these opportunities show up, helping either revitalize them, Change expectations, or in a worst case, closing them out. And again, this is another example where technology makes something like this easier. I mean, you know, if sales reps needed to go back to their office after every meeting and enter activities, uh, frankly, they wouldn't do it. Uh, it would be too administration focused. But to the extent that, you know, email messages, email summary messages, uh, 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 web conference, uh, audio sessions can be summarized through uh, some of the leading tools these days. Um, this can be automated. Uh, so activities actually uh, can be analyzed uh, through machine learning AI, right? And, uh, and so, the, so the, it's a perfect example where this, the, the administrative of this is not really so much an issue anymore. Uh, you, you can truly create good data and insights uh, and provide a tool for sales managers to spend time helping where the sales rep may need help.
0: I like this. Um, I think everybody is always challenged with, uh, you know, a portion of the pipeline that is stuck. Um, two things that come to my mind I wanted to ask you. Um, you mentioned, you know, in, in, in the sentence you said, the right number of deals. Um, I think most of sales leaders understand and most operators I have seen in data that there's a certain threshold where a person, a rep, has too many deals and they cannot effectively manage them all. Um, How did this metric help you, or maybe has not yet, identified? maybe what is the right threshold average per rep, uh, for number of deals?
1: Well, I I think it can change quite a bit based upon the solution you're selling, the velocity of the deal, the complexity of the sale. Um, But certainly in this case, you're 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 analyzing opportunities. You're looking at the total, the total pipeline of both a sales rep as well as a sales manager, uh, and, and you're and you're weeding out those that are problems. In our case, you know, we found uh, by by playing with this information, you can begin to understand what the averages are uh, and where the exceptions are, um, and you will you will find you'll you'll find all kinds of Uh, all kinds of uh, use cases uh, within a single sales team. I mean, one sales rep might find, you know, might be one of those people that are working on two or three deals on a given quarter. uh, And that's all. Uh, Not that that's too low, but, but by contrast, you you might find another rep that uh, has got 20 or 30 and they're pipeline and they're proceeding, none of them. And uh, so this is, this is an adjacent measure to the question you just asked, which is what is the right average for my company? Very important metric as well. I love it, I love it. Um, I think uh, <clears throat> I think for anybody that is listening here,
0: a, a great takeaway is by looking at stock deals, you now, you can start identifying even more specific metrics that otherwise you couldn't get. Um, one of them being of course, what is the right amount of volume of pipeline per rep by the type of market that they're in, the type of products that they're selling, right? Uh, That can then be used later on to determine the type of territories, the number of accounts per patches that can be determined, the type of teams that are necessary to achieve a certain number of quota. Uh, It helps with pipeline velocity. I mean, looking at stock deals, it's not just a single metric. It impacts all sorts of areas of the entire pipeline. So uh, I'm very glad that you kind of talked about this, uh, this specific metric. Um, anything else you want to say about the,
1: the pipeline vibrancy? No, I think that, that tells the story on, on, on pipeline vibrancy. It was interesting, though, I guess there is one other thing. Uh, this was a metric that sales managers asked for. They had seen for too long, they had seen deals that would be listed on the pipeline uh, as a current quarter open opportunity with as a candidate to close. Uh, at the end of a month, at the end of the quarter, many times, uh, and then all of a sudden it's gone. And uh, and so this was something that they wanted to use as a tool to identify uh, the, the, the opportunities that are candidates to be described as stuck. Uh, and so uh, this is a perfect example of Dig deep. Work closely with your sales leaders and your sales people to find the things that that they that they need to do their business. Uh, again, the numbers we, the exact figures we used here, uh, were based upon uh, the desire for a certain number of opportunities, which would be a maximum number of opportunities a sales manager could work on in this fashion, uh, against uh, you know the number of deals that we're actually moving out
0: as we were talking earlier on the call, you mentioned that early in your career, you had a leader that uh, um, saw in you a potential to take over an operational role for the organization. And of course it was a, a career shift that not only has been enjoyable for you, but you've been very successful at it. You've been able to help in a lot of different areas. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reverse engineer a little bit. I'm thinking, okay, um, What maybe is a little bit of that story that can illustrate for people that are early in their career that they're maybe in some particular positions or maybe should expose themselves to some specific type of experiences or roles so that one day they could be seen as that valuable contributor to say, hey, why don't we bring that person into this role because they have X, Y, and Z that can help us. Maybe expand a little bit on that.
1: Well, you know, if you're going to be in the sales organization, I would definitely recommend uh, put yourself in a sales role at some point and, and develop your skills at listening and your skills at empathy. Uh, I think uh, those are going to be critical uh, to any operations position. Uh, because people, Now, I say that first because I think typically people will go to the second piece of it, which is you definitely need to be a left-brain person, an analytical style person, uh, that is able to look at information and help gain insights, uh, and 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 you and you also need the skill of of, of being a servant, uh, and 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 working to improve people's uh, activities and processes. Uh, I say those other pieces second because I think this the idea of empathy. Um, and collaboration is the key. It's anything that you can do that will give you those skills as a baseline. Uh, I think will aid you in operations roles. I think it's a great point. I think it's a good point. A lot of people um,
0: ask uh, the people that come on this uh, podcast to, uh, you know, where should we start? And you know, I think it's, it's a lot of places. But if you have a chance, like you said, to be in some type of a sales role where you get to practice some of those skill sets. Every day, they will create a great foundation to have the right mindset to do the right type of operations. So, so Doug, one of, the, one of the other thoughts is that now as we think of people that are uh, maybe mid-level in their career or um, that they're trying to get to the senior level, uh, whether it's maybe a vice president role or maybe even more seniors than that in, in operational side, um, what type of advice do you have in and how they can go and achieve that they make maybe be maybe a sales uh, operation director or they could be uh, maybe on the marketing side or on the finance side uh, or even the customer success side revenue really is across the journey of the of the the customer right and so what advice do you
1: give them to to make that advanced level uh push well I, I, you know i I would try. I would try as many of those as, as you have an opportunity to do. Uh, I mean, it, sales operations, marketing operations, product operations, um, they're all interconnected in, in terms of many of the day-to-day aspects of the job. So I, it, from an experiential point of view, I, I would try them all if you can, if you have an opportunity to do so. Um, and you might find that you want to specialize in that area. Uh, but, Outside of the experiences, as to to really achieve the higher higher level positions, what's really important and and, I, and again I understand each of you will probably be very analytical uh, and uh, and you'll and you'll begin to build your your ability to create processes. That's fundamental to achieve the higher level positions. It, is to get into the into the into the shoes, or at least the mind of the shoes, of the senior level person. Uh, uh, which are, and and make sure that you, that as as you work in these roles, uh, that you slowly develop the idea of the end. What is the end goal? What is the business leader trying to accomplish? What's most important for the business? Uh, These kinds of roles, it can be very easy to get into the day-to-day details, which are highly analytical, highly detailed, uh, uh, and very important. But as you Progress through your career, you have to spend more and more time on sort of the strategy. What's the end goal? Uh, what will make the the CRO uh, or the leaders of the company uh, succeed? Uh, and that's that's the transition that as you go as you get higher in your career, that you'll need to spend more time thinking through.
0: Very well said. Great advice, Doug. This was uh, an absolute treat. Thank you so much for be willing to share these uh, great insights with regards to the metrics and also from a career advice perspective. I know that if any of you that are listening would love to connect with Doug, you can find him on LinkedIn. he will be happy to, uh, you know, answer other questions and maybe um, become an advisor to you as well. But uh, uh, we thank you for being on the program. We thank you all for listening in and uh, uh, we wish you all a great day.